0: Church, we're going to continue in our sermon series that we've been going through this month. It's entitled Weird, and for those of you, maybe it's the first time that you've been here this month to hear this series. We're talking about how God has called us not to be like the normal world where the rest of the world is doing a thing, a certain thing, a certain way outside of his will for their lives, but we are called to be different. We are called to be weird. We are called to be set apart. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 15 it says this to us it says so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky So church this past couple weeks we've talked about as i said about we're called to be different than the world and we learned in those past two weeks that Jesus in his teachings he tells us there's two roads There's not three roads, there's not a fence, there's nothing like that. There are two roads that we must travel and it's you're on one road or the other. And in Matthew chapter seven, I wanna remind you what those roads are and this is Jesus speaking here. In Matthew chapter seven, verses 13 and 14, it says this. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Its gates are wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Church, if you get anything out of those words right there, Jesus was basically telling us there is one road to get to Him, and that road is very narrow. That gate is not wide at all, it's small. But I love where He says this Many choose. Church, you get to choose. It's not someone designs it for you. It's not somebody says this is the road you're gonna go on. Jesus said himself, He said, You get to choose which road you travel on, and there are only a few people, church, who has the courage to step away from that broad road. I want you to think for a moment. Just think about you personally, not the person you're sitting with, not somebody you know. How many of you find comfort in being with the crowd? I thought you find comfort in being with the crowd, meaning like you want to blend in or or you want to be exactly like everybody else. You don't want people noticing that you are different. A lot of us struggle in that area. You know, if everybody is going this way, this is the thought process of the world. If everybody is going this way, then this must be the way to go. You know, when you get the courage to leave that broad road, church, The moment you get the courage to lead that broad road onto the narrow road that leads to life, Jesus says that leads to life, people on the broad road will instantly kind of come at you. They're gonna say you're weird, right? They're gonna say there's something different about you, but remember, remember, I told you this every single week this month, if you want what normal people have, listen to me, church. If you want what normal people have, then you do what normal people do. That means like, if you want to be just like the rest of the world and have all the things that the world has, I'm talking about the heartache, the struggle, all those kind of things, you act like they do. But it says this. Also, if you want what few people have, then you do what few people do. Meaning that narrow road, church. And in today's society, right, we we put normal on a lot of things that shouldn't be normal, but that's the way the world's going, right? Normal today, and I believe everybody would agree, in the world today, normal would be that is to be broke financially. I'm talking about heavy debt, always struggling, just you know, barely able to make ends meet. How many of you want something better than normal? when it comes to your finances. How about relationships, right? Think about relationships. Normal is 50% of the people who get married are gonna be divorced. And the sad part is that's even in the church. I can't tell you how many times I, I do a lot of weddings and, and I, I'll sit there and I'm not being rude to the, gr- the bride and the groom. You know, we're going through marriage counseling I'm sitting there going like, man, are you gonna be one of the ones that's gonna make it? Because 50% of them statistically that I do, they won't. Normal is to be filled with guilt. Normal is to be filled with regret and all sorts of fears. And so when it comes to relationships, church, I ask you this morning, how many of you want something better than normal? You know, I believe with all my heart that God has something better than normal for all of his people. And listen, that's all of us, church. He has something better for us. And so if you want what normal people have then you need to do what normal people do but if you want what a few people have church I'm talking about peace I'm talking about joy man I'm talking about security I'm talking about life with meaning life with destiny and a sense of pleasing God then you do what few people do so today what I want you to do is I want you to embrace the truth that it's okay to be different for every single one of us, I want you to know it's okay to be different. See, when you are led by the Spirit of God, get this this way. when you are led by the Spirit of God, it is way, way better to be different because normal is broken. Normal is overwhelmed. Normal is broken relationships. Normal is fear. And, and quite honestly, church, normal comes from a lot of sin in life. And the Bible tells us this church, it says, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. See, the world will say, oh, this is right. This is the way to go, right? Everybody else is going that way. Me and my younger brother, when we used to go to Cedar Point, and, and on the days, just would happen, I'd, I'd wear like a polo shirt, you know what I'm talking about? And sometimes we'd be in line for a ride, one in long ones, you know what I'm talking about? Like an hour-long ride for like three seconds of fun. Doesn't make sense, does it? All of a sudden, we would start acting like we worked there. We'd be like, all right, folks, we, we ask you to like move over to this side. You wouldn't believe how many people, because the crowd was going, I'm not saying it was right, church, but we did it. You wouldn't believe how many people would listen to you and say, well, everybody else is going that way. We did do that. But listen, think about this. In the world, isn't that the truth? There's a crowd, and everyone's like, well, that must be the way we're supposed to go. We do that, don't we? See, normal is where the crowd is going. And I pray this morning, church, if there's anybody here who is on that broad path, you get on the narrow road following Jesus Christ. See, here's what God said. If you'll look with me in 1st Peter, okay? 1st Peter chapter 1 verse 16. It says, "For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy." You must be holy because I am holy. And so God called us to be what church? Holy. Yes. Right? And why? Because he is holy. Yes. That's what we've been called to do, and so for a large period of my life, I'm just going to be straight up honest with you this morning, a large period of my life, holy, was intimidating to me. I grew up in the church, and I would hear that all the time, we're called to be holy, and see, that was intimidating to me, because, right, I thought the priest, you know, you see the priest on TV, he was holy. The preacher who stood up and talked to me all the time, he was holy, right, and then massively you know you would go to church you see all these people religious people i mean good people they were holy but not me because you know why because i had impure thoughts i struggled there i would have impure thoughts and, and i knew my actions for sure at times was not holy church and you know what to top it off kind of the icing on the cake for me as a young man the world also made the word holy look negative. Oh, she thinks she is so holy. That guy right there, he thinks he's holier than thou, right? He's telling everybody. So in my mind, that, that word holy, it, it was hard for me. And I, I want to give you this morning a little of a better understanding on the word Holy. The word holy in the Greek root form it means to be pure, it means to be set apart, it means to be different. It's about pursuing Christ with everything you got. And so God says, "Don't you be like the rest of the world. You be different. You must be holy because I am holy." God is telling your church, he's saying you need to be set apart. You need to be set apart, and sometimes we struggle with that, right? We do, right? Think about what you set apart at home, right? You, you set something aside for special use. Maybe some of you got, you got china at home, right? Or maybe your grandma had china. You only use that on Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Easter. Don't you dare touch that bowl any other day but that. It was set apart for something special, right? Or you have something at home that you only like to use on certain occasions, for those of you who grew up with kids and you go to the store, right, and you bring home like something really good, your kids want to dig into it as soon as the, the bags aren't even unpacked, you're like, oh, ho, ho. don't eat that, we're saving that for some, something special. Let me translate that, that means when you go to bed, kid, I'm going to eat it. That's, that's what's special, right? You set it apart to be used in a certain setting. And see, God has called us, church, he's called us to be set apart. We are called to be holy. That's what holy means, to be set apart, to be something different. And God has called each and every one of us to do that. And so we're called to pursue him with all of our hearts. God says, don't be like the rest of the world. Be different. And here's the key. Get this this one. Here's the key. Those who are following Christ... I'm talking those who are following Christ, not just using the Christian name when it's convenient, not just wearing that cross necklace so people maybe will say that, oh, he's a Christian, or maybe wearing your churchy shirts. You know what churchy shirts you got, right? I mean, following Christ. I mean, I'm talking about you truly want to give honor to God in the way that you are living your life. That's what it means, church, to follow Christ. And when you follow Jesus' teachings, when you follow Jesus' teachings, he will lead you right off that broad path, the one that leads to destruction, and onto the narrow path that leads to life. That's what he'll do. And so, your goal is, church not to be weird for weird's sake. Remember what weird is. It means you're set apart, you're different, you're not acting like the normal world, the ones that are on the broad path. You don't, your goal is not to be weird for weird's sake. It, your goal is to please God. That's it, you want to please him. He will set you apart, you will be different, and the rest of the world, church, is gonna call you weird, and when you try to leave that broad path, the moment you say, I'm done, I'm done living my life like everybody else. I don't want that. I hear God calling me out. And the moment that you leave that broad path, you realize you're going to struggle a little bit. But those around you, they're going to struggle a lot too. You know why? Because you're separating yourself from them. They're going to say, where are you going? Why don't you hang out with us? Why don't you stay with us? You know, we used to hang out all the time. You know, this is where everybody else is. Why, why are you leaving? And see, when you try to follow God, you and I, what happens is we are hit with this enormous pressure to conform to what the world is doing. I mean, we, it's pressure, isn't it? Serious pressure. And I want to share with you what David said. This is pretty cool. In Psalm 69, Psalm 69, verses 9 through 12, verse 9 starts out like this. It says, passion for your house has consumed me. I want to stop right there for a minute. Passion for your house has consumed me. What David is saying, he says, man, I want to serve you, and I want to serve you alone, Lord. He's passionate about it. He's like, I want my whole life, my whole life to count for you. I want to worship you all day long. Lord, I want to have a passion for the things that matter to you, because what matters to you, Lord matters to me see you see that thought process man this it goes on there verse nine you know passion for your house has consumed me he said and then he says this and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me here's what he's saying right there church he's saying God I'm so much on your side I'm so much on your side when people are shooting arrows at you I am so close to you those arrows are hitting me Those errors are going to hit me because I'm right there in it with you. And he goes on to verse 10. He says this, and when I weep and fast, they scoff at me. When I dress in burlap to show sorrow, they make fun of me. And verse 12 says this. He says, I am the favorite topic of town gossip, and all the drunks sing about me. I guess you know you made it, church, (laughs) when they're at the bar singing songs about you because you're serving God. Here's the deal, church. If you think different, if you think different, if you are different, then the world's gonna think you're weird. They're gonna think you're weird. But see, when you leave that broad road, people's gonna mock you. I'm sure everybody in this room who maybe had a a really rough past, you know what I'm talking about. The, The People are gonna have a hard time with this. I want you to remember this. When God leads you that way, When God leads you that way, whatever you do, don't get stuck in the bucket. Remember when I I gave you this analogy one time about you put all those crabs in the bucket, right? There's a bucket full of crabs. And all of a sudden, one of those crabs, they're going to try to, like, come up and climb up out because they're tired of being in there with all the other crabs. And I've watched videos on it. Man, all of a sudden, that crab decides, I'm going to climb out of that bucket. You know what the other crabs do? They grab onto him and pull him back down in. Church, you do not, listen, you do not want to get stuck in that bucket. You know, why do crabs do this? Nobody knows because they don't talk, right? We don't know why they do it. But they do it, but we do know this. Why do people do this? Because there's comfort in the crowd. There's comfort in the crowd. You know, don't leave us. I want you to, be, I'm miserable. Why don't you be miserable here with me? That's the way they look at it. So some of you, church, this morning... I believe with all my heart, some of you are growing in your passion for Christ. I mean, you're growing in that passion for Christ. You know, I, I'm at that, that age of life that I'm starting to look backwards a lot. I guess you get there at a certain time, right? You start looking back and be like, oh, yeah, I remember this. And, and you see, man, you see the cool stuff that God has done. And I think the older you get, the more you look back. I remember calling my grandma, and, and my grandma would tell me these stories about, you know, 50, 60 years ago, and, and she'll be like, and Lisa did this, and, and you're like, yeah, okay, Lisa did that, and she goes, oh, you remember Lisa, I'm like, Grandma, I didn't grow up with you, I don't know Lisa, but, but you continue to look a lot towards the back, and listen, church, for whatever reason, I've been just really looking backwards lately, Now I'm looking at all the cool stuff that God's done in his church, <laughs> Man, 12 years we've been doing ministry together, and I see what God's done. And I look at what he's done to me personally. Man, I've grown a lot, thank goodness, in 12 years. i got a long way to go, though, too. And so do you. You look back and you see how God is growing you, right? He's growing you, and you're doing things in your passion, right? You're more passionate for the Lord. And if you're not, church, you need to, you need to get on that page, You need to be growing. You really want to please him. Once that passion is ignited in you, man, you want to please God. You know, the word, his word is making you different. You're seeing things, you're feeling things, but you are set apart is what that is. You are no longer who you used to be. But see, you'll have to deal, you and I, we have to deal the rest of our lives with the pressure of not conforming to the normal worldly behavior. See, all your life, there's going to be this gravitational pull. You know what I'm talking about? Pull back to what the world says is normal. You know what I'm talking about? You're sitting at work, and then all of a sudden, you hear your coworkers, they want to start really trash-mouthing the boss. Man, you want to jump in there, right? You're waiting for someone to take a breath. You say, and he did, and she said. You got that pull you want in on that, don't you? You hear someone saying something nasty. Oh, I want to listen to this. You turn on the TV, your computer. Something you know you shouldn't be watching, you're pulled into it, aren't you? Church, we, we struggle in this way. We have this, this pull of the world dragging us and saying, this is normal, this is where you need to be. And you'll have to fight that, church. You've got to fight that gravitational pull and that drive that we have. We are sinful people, aren't we? That drive that you have to conform to the normal. So today what I want to do is I want to give you two types of pressure. That you and I feel in this area. The very first type is this. It's the inward pull. I'm talking about inward pressure. The need to please. Where you want to please people. We all deal with the need to please, don't we? If you don't, you're like, I don't want to please nobody. That means you are clear on the opposite end of the spectrum. And you're just nasty. You need to come into the middle. See, we we want to make people happy, don't we? We do. We want to make people happy. Being in the job I'm in, it's really difficult. I experience it every day because someone will come in and, and they're just telling you about their life and they're crying and they're, and they're, you know, snotting all over the room and they're telling you all these things about their life and you want to just look at them and say, it's your own fault. It's the decisions that you make. That's the reason you are there. But you know what? You, you feel bad. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I struggle with that as a preacher. I know I got to tell them the truth. How do you do it? Right? Or, or they come in and, and they're sitting there talking about, this is normal, right? This is what I do. And you're like, that's against God's word. And you're like, man, if I tell them, they might leave. They might leave the church. And that ain't just the preacher that struggles with that church. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I know you do too. You're like, where's my spot, Lord? Give me the words to speak. Where do I jump in? Do I tell them now? Do I tell them later, Right? You're trying to do this balancing act. We want to make other people happy. Man, I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you this a million times before I quit being the preacher. I heard Don Cooper say at the Bible college when I was taking a class, it doesn't matter, church. You just please as long as you're pleasing God. And then he said this, we got to stop letting people go to hell happy because we're afraid to tell them. There's a right way to say it. There is a right way to say it. You don't have to beat them up. You don't have to leave them a bloody mess, but you pray about that. But we like to make people happy, don't we? We want them to like us. We wanna blend in. We wanna be normal. And church, if we're being honest, I'm being honest, the need to please is probably one of the biggest obstacles in my life in truly serving God. I'm just being straight up with you. See, when I feel like God is leading me to do something, you know, maybe it's something in the church, you know, the first thought that pops up into my head, what are people going to think about this? I shouldn't be worried about that. I should be more about, worried about what God's going to think about, right? You know, what are the people in the church going to say about this? You know, what will my friends say? More importantly, what's my family going to say when I tell them about this? You know what? It's, it's kind of different. You know, are they going to make fun of me about it? Are they going to understand? What are they going to think? See, the Bible addresses this, believe it or not, church, in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, it says this. It says, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So I really want to focus on the beginning of that verse right there. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, a trap. The Hebrew word is Maquesh. It means to trap the snare. Literally what it means, it means a hook in the nose. You ever seen those big bulls, right? Intimidating looking things. They put that hook in that bull's nose, that that ring in there, whatever you want to call it. There's a reason for that. They tie a rope to that and he's acting up. They tug on that rope. You know what that would feel like? I can't even imagine. And the Bible is talking about that. It means the fear of man will be like this hook. If you're worried about what everyone's going to think, if you're worried about what everyone's going to say, it's like this hook, and what it's going to do, it's going to lead you into places that God isn't going to want you in because you're wanting to make everybody happy, because you're wanting to please man. But see, God, when you let him lead you, it will lead you to places that others will say is weird. That's what it'll do. You know, church, he might lead you. He might lead you to do something that other people are going to think weird. He might tell you, you know you need to turn your TV off because you're robbing your family of time. When Mary and I first got married, we didn't have cable literally for the first 12 years of our marriage. I mean, one of the main reasons, we didn't have two nickels rubbed together. We couldn't afford cable. I remember people say, hey, did you watch this show? I'm like, we don't got no TV They're like, what do you mean you don't have TV? They asked me if I was, as they would say up in Youngside, are you Amish? Amish? (laughs) They asked me if I was Amish. I'm like, no, we just don't have a TV. Then what do you do? I'm like, well, I talk to my wife. (laughs) I play with my kids. On a really good occasion, we'll go to the, the library and get Jordan a DVD to watch some cartoon in our DVD player, right? But people thought that was Strange. You know, what will people think if I tell them I don't watch TV? Maybe God is leading you to dress modest, church. <laughs> Seems the world's got a problem with that, right? To dress modest in an immodest world. Maybe God is telling you to clean up what you listen to. You know, playlist you got? Oh, you shouldn't be listening to it. Maybe God's telling you to clean that up. Maybe he's telling you to quit watching that thing on the computer, watching that thing on TV. Do you realize, church, what goes in your ears, what goes in your eyes, goes down into your heart and it will take root and it will come right out your mouth. That's what happens. Maybe God's gonna call you that. Maybe God's, here's the hard one. Maybe God's gonna call you out and say, you need to leave those friends behind because they're not good for you. They're taking you back to that broad path. The one that you left and they keep dragging you back over that rail onto that broad, that broad path. In 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 24 and 25, it says this in verse 24. It says, then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command. Listen to what he says. He says, for I was afraid of the people and I did what they demanded. But now, please forgive my sin and come back to me so that I may worship the Lord. Man, Saul was admitting right there, I was afraid to do it because of what people would say about me. I was afraid to do it because of what people might think about me. I was afraid to do it because they might not follow me anymore. The fear of man will prove to be a snare church, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. I'm going to talk to anybody here today all you parents that got kids, all you parents that have grown kids, now you've got influence over your grandchildren, please make sure you're listening to me really close right now. You've got to teach your kids. Seriously, you've got to teach your kids. You really have to. It's not just okay to be different. It's better. It's better. You know what we do? We don't build values into our children anymore. You must build values into your kids. You have to teach them church is important. You know what is even more important? Following Christ is important. I hear people all the time say, yeah, I don't I don't force nothing down my kids throat because I want them to decide on their own. Well, let me tell you what. If you're not giving them of what the word that God has told you to give them, you know who's going to be screaming in their ear? They'll hear nothing from you. They will only hear the words the world's version and then you have no right to sit back and cry, why is my kids life a mess? You don't. Because you did not do the job that God called you to do. We didn't do it. You build the values into your kids. Church is important, following Christ is important. Family identity, man, that is important. A right relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, that is important. We spend way more time investing in our kids, teaching them sports and teaching them about grades, and you've got to be the best at this and the best of that, And then we are failing to do right about them when it comes to Jesus Christ. Yes. And we've got to. You. you want to know how I know that's the truth? You look in the world today. It's a mess. And it's because we as parents didn't do the job that we were called to. You know what scares me so bad? Number one, the first thing that scares me is God's going to hold me three times accountable for the words I speak because of my job. You know what else scares me? That I will have to give account to the way I raise my kids. Seriously. Seriously. I'm going to stand before God. And he's going to say, I gave you a gift. How'd you do with it? Right? What do you feel like when you give your child a birthday present or a Christmas present? Everybody's got one of these kids in their family. And within an hour and a half, they have it completely disassembled and broken because they want to see how it works. And you're ticked. You're like, I gave you that gift. And what did you do with it? Imagine how our heavenly father feels, church. We spend more time teaching our kids the wrong things of wanting them to have all the right friends, so to speak, in a worldly way. We're to make sure that they're popular instead of making sure they are grounded in Christ. We teach your kids, we teach our kids family identity. That's who you are. That, that, that's who you are. I can't tell you how many times I heard my mother say this. She says, that is not who we raised you kids to be. She would tell us that. She would say those things to us. And it's important that we show them that this is what our family does. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world is doing. We're not participating. Family identity, here's what we do. You know, how many times did you go to your parents? Well, let me tell you what Jimmy's doing. Your mother I don't care what Jimmy's doing. You aren't. And there's truth in that. There's wisdom in it. This is what our family do, does. You know, show them huh, that maybe your family is weird in a good way, right? We're not following the patterns of this world. You know, I always taught my kids, we're not going to do that. Here's what we're going to do. The Blakeleys, we're not going to do that. We're going to do what God called us to do. You build that sense of family identity. This is who we are, church. This is what we believe, and these are the stands that we will take. I read this this past week, and I really liked it. I want to share it with you. It says, whenever family identity is strong, peer pressure is going to be weak. To be weak. You teach them that it's not only okay to be different, but it's way better. See, we have to learn to deal with that inward pressure, church, of pleasing, of always needing to please. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Church, that's that inward pressure. Second point is this. It's that outward pull. I'm talking about that persecution in your life. Feeling the pressure from the outside world, it boils down to this, criticism. How many of you like to be criticized? (laughs) Nobody does. You know, as soon as someone starts to criticize me, you know what? I instantly, I go into defense mode. They don't even have the full sentence out of their mouth, man. I want to I'm thinking right. Well, let me t- I'm going to tell you all about yourself. You better be ready too cuz I got a good memory. We hate that criticism, don't we? We feel that pressure from the outside world. We don't want to be criticized. And so when normal people on the broad road, they hurl insults at you for being on the narrow road. You know what I'm talking about? They're saying like, what's up with you? How come you only hang out with church people now? You got all churchy on me, didn't you? Ever since you started going to that church, you are different. What do you mean you're going to a prayer meeting again? That's stupid. Why are you going to serve the homeless? You're wasting your time. That's what they'll tell you, church. You, you know, you used to smoke weed with us. Now you think you're better than us, don't you? Mr. Holier-than-thou, Mrs. Holier-than-thou, they will make fun of you, they will ridicule you, and church, they will persecute you. And when they do, when they do, I want you to remember what it says in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, starting in verse 18, it says this, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus is saying, they're going to hate you, man. But just you remember, I took it first. I know what it's like. I took it first. And then he goes on to say, verses 19 and 20, it says, if you were of the world, the world would love you its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master." If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Church, think about that. Jesus saying, like, they're gonna get you. As Christians, don't we, we get like extremely offended? We get extremely hurt when someone calls us out, man, it, they warned you, right? Jesus warned us this was gonna happen. How many of you got that kid that you're like, you do it again, you're gonna get a whipping? And they just look at you like, Psh. right? Dude, I'm telling you, I'm serious. You do it one more time, I'm going to whip you. The third time after the third warning, you had enough, like, this kid, he ain't getting nothing, and so you, you smack him hard, right? You whip him. And they give you this look of shock and disbelief, like, I had no idea that was coming. <laughs> they do that, don't they? And you're like, man, what happened to you, kid? Do you realize Jesus warned you? He said, they're going to hate you. They're going to come against you. They're going to say nasty things about you because they did it to me first. And now you are part of me. See, the truth is this, part of being different, the part of being set apart, the part of being pure is the part of leaving that normal road that leads to destruction and getting on the narrow road that leads to life. And Jesus said, you're going to have to deal with it. But he also told you he would never leave you nor forsake you. He also told us as as a church family, you get together because it strengthens you. When you are in a body of believers, you are strengthened by that. So you can go out and face that world. Church, normal is not working. It's really not. The, The world calls it the new normal today. Basically, every sin against the Lord, they say it's okay, and they call it the new normal. If you really want to look at it, boil it down. It's not working. And normal people don't like it when you pull away from the crowd. And in the long run, I've learned this. It took me a while. I'm a slow learner, guys. In the long run, I find comfort sometimes in people making fun of me. I can't tell you how many times a staff, Facebook can be wicked, can't it, church? There can be some really good stuff done on Facebook, but there's a lot of wicked stuff. on. One of the staff members come in, did you see what somebody wrote about you? And they're all offended, they're all hurt for me. And I'll read and I'll go like, <laughs> yeah. I can give you list after list, quotes of people, things that they said about me that I said from this pulpit. And I'm like, it really doesn't bother me anymore. I usually have a chuckle about it. Because I know it's coming. Jesus said, he told us that this was going to happen. You know, I don't want our church to be normal, okay? I'm not going to be your normal pastor. I'm not going to be head of a normal church. I don't want to lead a church. Christ is head of the church, But when he's called us to lead it, I don't want to be in a normal church because you know what normal churches are doing today? They are dissecting God's word, they're playing a la carte, I'll take this, and I don't want that. And they're preaching his gospel. I don't want a normal church. I don't want a normal church at all because I want us to be different. I hear people say all the time, why does your church help so many people? You know that you're just being used. They took God's, they stole God's money, not mine. That's up between him and them. We're just being obedient to what he's called us to do. You know, why are you helping so many people? You're wasting your time. Why are you guys offering free services to people? You know, you could make money on that. You know, why do we feel, church, that everything needs to be about that? The world will hate us because of him. They will criticize us because of him. They will criticize us as Christians, and they will criticize the church, the bride of Christ, Because of who he is. And you know what church? I want to tell you today. Don't worry about it. I'm serious. It really and truly is none of your business. What somebody else says about you. Or what they think about you. It really isn't none of your business. You just move on. You you ignore them. You, you, You keep going forward. Because if they don't. If we don't stop worrying about it then it's just going to continue to occupy our attention. But you know what? And if the world isn't criticizing you, if they're honestly not criticizing you, then you might need to be a little bit concerned. And let me tell you why. You might need to take inventory. You might have to look at yourself. You might have to take a check there. Are you way too normal, church? Are you acting like the rest of the world? Nobody's saying anything about you because they don't know who you are. Because maybe your attitudes, your speech, your thoughts, your walk is just like everybody else in the world. Are you just blending in church? Are you traveling with a crowd? Because listen what it says to us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. It says this Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How many of you want to be blessed? I've never in my life met anybody. Who's like, preacher, I want to have the crappiest life I could possibly have. I never met anybody that said that. I want all to be miserable. I want it to be hard. I want it to just be tragic. Never met anybody that says that. But I tell you what, I meet people all the time that says, man, I just want to have a good life. I just want to be blessed. Ha. Let me read it to you one more time. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because you have been made right with Jesus Christ you're blessed when they come against you and see when this happens church we're called to rejoice we are we're called to rejoice we're being persecuted for the one who gave his life for us so my prayer is this morning church that we are different that we are different if you're writing anything down I want you to write this down you can't please everyone no matter what you do Wisest advice I ever got from a really old preacher 12 years ago when I took this job. He said, hey, don't even try to please everybody. You'll make yourself old fast. Because you can't. You can't please everybody. I can't please everybody. But I want you to remember this. Add this to your list. You can't please everyone no matter what you do, but you can please God. You get that, church? You can please God. So this morning, as we're wrapping things up, I want to call the praise team up here. I want that to get deep into your head this morning. I want it to be in your heart that you cannot please everyone. I tried. (laughs) I spent a large portion of my life trying to please everybody. And it doesn't work. And the sad part about it is, like I told you, I'm a slow learner. I'm still doing it every once in a while. But you can't but you can please God because I'm going to share one last verse with you today. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. I love how Paul put this, man. He says, for I am now seeking the approval of man or God. So Paul's asking this question for am I now, right now, am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Which one am I doing? Which one am I pursuing? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul asked the question and then he followed it right up with the answer. If you are so worried about pleasing man, then are you honestly a servant of Jesus Christ? Our purpose, church, is to please God, not people. When you become obsessed with what people think about you, do you realize it is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you? Because you're so worried, you're focused on, they said this about me, they're thinking this about me, I watched the way they they looked at me, and you're obsessing, you're focusing, and you're giving all your time, your attention to what that is, and you realize in those moments, you're not thinking about what your heavenly father is thinking about you that you are a child of the one true king, that he created you with a purpose, that he loved you so much that he gave the ultimate sacrifice for you. So how, church, can you please God? How can you please God? By living your life for him. I mean that you say, Lord, this is what I want. And the Bible says, then you will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you live your life for him. So today, church, if you're recognizing, you're sitting there and you're like, man, preacher's throwing it out today. No holds barred, right? I gave it all to you. And you're sitting there thinking like, maybe he's right. Maybe I still am on that broad path. Maybe I'm too worried about what everyone else thinks about me. Maybe nobody criticizes me because they don't even know that I'm different. It's time for you to be made right. Maybe you are being normal in the world. Maybe you are living your life on that broad road. Church, it's time to change that. And let me tell you what, it's simple. You recognize the fact that you're not right. You recognize the fact that you've got so much sin in your life. And it's not that it's just there. Maybe you're embracing it and you're holding it tight. And I want you to know it's making you sick, spiritually sick. So today I want to offer to you the solution for righteousness, church. You want that righteousness that the Bible talks about. It comes from being made right in Christ. It comes from admitting you are a sinner, that you are struggling. It comes from saying, I have messed things up. I messed it up big time. And, Lord, I want to give it all to you because he will take it. He will take your sin. He will take your shame. He will take your anguish. Man, he'll take your pain, your struggles, your hardships. I could go all day long describing it to you. He'll take them. And he'll say, guess what? I will make you right with me. I will wash you clean as though it never happened. Take your sins and place them as far as the east is from the west never to be brought up again. So if that's for you this morning, you hear God calling you out, I really truly, I want to encourage you. Man, I'm telling you, I'm pleading with you. You come forward. and we'll have people up here, they will pray with you. You ain't got to tell us all your business. All you got to do is say, man, I want to make things right now. And let God do his work in you. And for the rest of you believers who are here today, maybe you realize today that you keep jumping back and forth over on that road. That, that you're, you're not fully planted. The Bible tells us that God will pick you up out of that muck and mire and he'll place you on solid ground. I'm talking solid. I mean, you know you can stand there. You know it's good. You know that you don't have to sink anymore. And so maybe some of you today just need to be reminded, like, i got to get this right again that I need to come back to my first true love of Jesus Christ and understand he's got something way better for me than I've even been experiencing. He's offered me a gift and I haven't been taking him up on. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing. But I really want to encourage you to respond this morning.